0: So let's get
1: down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by FullScale.io.
0: And we're back with another episode of the Start a Puzzle. This is your host today, Matt Watson. Excited to be joined today by Dr. Raj Taluri, who is the president and CEO of Innovix. And I think this is going to be a fascinating story today. We've got a company that is publicly traded that has been in R&D mode for 16 years, still getting their product to market, um, but went public. I think it's fascinating. They uh, create batteries, and there's a lot a lot going on in, in that space, obviously, with cars and all sorts of things. Um, so it should be fascinating conversation today. And we're going to talk mostly today about um, the challenges of, of business and being a CEO and running a business. And it sounds like they have a few challenges after 16 years. Uh, so it should be an interesting conversation. Um, today's episode of Startup Puzzle is powered by FullScale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. FullScale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. And it has a platform to help you manage that team. Please visit FullScale.io to learn more. Raj, welcome to the show, man.
1: Thank you so much. It's really my pleasure to be here.
0: So before we hit record, right. you were telling me that um, sounds like you've worked in and around maybe Silicon Valley for, for 30 years and, and, and doing a lot of different stuff.
1: Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I got my PhD at the University of Texas at Austin, uh, actually in uh, AI and computer vision before it's as popular as it is now. And uh, from then I joined Texas Instruments in their research labs, uh, did some research work in computer vision for about six, eight years. Then I uh, moved on to working on products. You know, I worked on digital cameras uh, for a long time, you know, a lot of the early digital camera chipsets, and then cell phone cameras, you know, MP3 players, a lot of consumer electronics devices, mainly making chipsets. Uh, okay. That could, could power these, That was at TI for about 16 years. Uh, at, at Towards the end of that, my time at TI, I was running the uh, OMAP application processor business, um, which is a fairly large business, almost maybe close to a billion dollars in those days. And then I and then I moved to Texas from Texas Instruments to uh, Qualcomm, where I was responsible for the Snapdragon application processor, which is in you know many of the Android smartphones. Um, I was there for about nine years. Uh, towards the later part of my career there, I was running their uh, Internet of Things business. Um, and the last five years before joining InnoVix, I was at uh, Micron Technologies, which is another large chip company, and I was running their uh, Mobile business, uh, where we sell DRAM and NAND into cell phones. Right. uh, That was also a large business. You know, last the year I was there, it was about a seven billion dollar business. So it's a kind of a different speed now for me. Now Innovix, early stage uh, public company. Um, We don't have much revenue yet, but a lot of lot of um, uh, promise in the company. A lot of aspirations that will be a powerhouse in batteries.
0: Well, so it sounds like you've been in and around like different kinds of computer electronics and components for a long time, so this is you know a natural fit for you, you know, um, sound you know very very similar kind of business, right? Um, so tell me a little more about Novix. You've only you've been there for a few months, but the the company is actually about sixteen years old or so, right? So tell me a little more about the company. I think it's fascinating that you have a company that's sixteen years old that's public, um, but doesn't doesn't have a lot of revenue and doesn't have a product that has raised half million dollars right so i think it's a it's a fascinating fascinating story
1: yeah absolutely i mean i i think to to really put uh Inomics in perspective you need to understand the battery space a little bit better um because uh lithium-ion batteries um are uh something that uh, have been around since 97 uh, when it was first invented i think at by sony but the improvements in uh in in the amount of energy these batteries can provide, which people refer to as energy density, amount of energy per unit volume, per unit weight, you know, however you want to look at it, has been very slow, the progression. I mean, the progression and increase in energy density has been very slow, only like a few percentage points a year. Now, if you think about that, and if you say, you know, from 97 to now, if you look at all the other things I've worked on, like processors and memories and displays and so on, they've made tremendous advances. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you look at the cameras... Orders of magnitude. Orders of magnitude. Yeah. So that poses a very interesting problem, which is which is the reason, one of the reasons I joined Denovix is because, you know, we've built these processors, we've built these memories and you know, displays and cameras that have made ton of progress. But to really, for the consumers to get the benefit out of the progress made in all those areas, now the battery has become the bottleneck. So if you run, for example, if you take a latest cell phone and you... Turn your display on to full brightness, and you turned on all the processors to run at full speed and the memory at full speed. The cell phone will perform wonderfully. It will work like much, much faster, and you'll enjoy the performance of the device. But the battery is going to go down really, really fast.
0: Man, I say all the time. They haven't invented one new thing on a cell phone in the last five years. They just keep making up crap that doesn't matter. They could take all that crap away and just make the battery last like three times longer. We would all be way happier, right? Like they add so much crap to our phones we don't need. But the battery is what we need. So if you can solve that, I'm all in.
1: Exactly. And the interesting thing is when you actually solve the battery problem, you will actually unlock the innovation of all those processes and displays that I've done. They've done a lot. They just can't use them because the battery goes down. So, uh, in any case, so that that's that's the that's the um, the the challenge and that's the uh, opportunity of making a battery lithium-ion battery. Now let's get to innovics. Now, why let's ask the question first. Why is it that batteries haven't made that much progress? Uh, what what about batteries makes it so hard? So, um, maybe for your for your listeners, let me let me just kind of explain in kind of layman's terms, how the battery works, a lithium ion battery. And then I'll talk about what we do at Inovix that makes it um, interesting or uh, problem to solve. So basically, almost all batteries have an anode and a cathode. uh, And the cathode is typically made up of cobalt or nickel or some material like that. And lithium is, you know, is deposited on that. And that's how you buy. And then you have an anode, which is basically made up of graphite in most of the batteries. And when you charge a battery, the lithium ions move from the cathode to the anode and deposit themselves on the anode. Uh, and there is a, an electrolyte and a separator that separates the anode and the cathode from shorting each other because they're positive and negative terminals. And when lithium goes this way, the electrons go the other way through the circuit. So now, when you charge the battery, lithium deposits in the anode. When you discharge the battery, lithium goes back to the cathode, electrons go into the circuit, and you get power. That's that, that very, simple, very simple electrical circuit if you think about it the The key is you're generating electricity electrochemically, not through fossil fuels you're basically generating power through electrochemical reaction, unlocking the energy that's actually locked inside uh chemistry in, inside inside materials they're so they're clean energy materials they don't they don't uh, cause you know cause a carbon footprint to get worse now the problem is um although the batteries have been here so long no one has been able to really replace graphite with anything else now why is that important because graphite as a material can only hold so much lithium so the lithium when it comes in the cathode deposits itself on the on the anode which is graphite and it kind of kind of finds the space inside the kind of cellular structure of the graphite and deposits itself there and when you remove the charge and the lithium actually comes back uh, to the cathode. So the amount of lithium you can put in is proportional to the amount of energy that's in the battery. So everyone wants to put more and more lithium, but graphite you know, but, you know, can only take so much. So the problem is you don't, you've not been able to really increase energy density because mm-hmm. of the materials. So how do you solve this problem? So people have known for a long time that if you replace the graphite with, for example, silicon, it can hold much more, You know, almost six times more uh, lithium than graphite so suddenly you get a huge energy boost because you can put much more lithium on the cathode push it onto the silicon it holds it when you discharge it it comes back you have a battery that's much more powerful well there is a couple of problems with that one problem is when you use silicon instead of graphite the lithium actually reacts with the silicon and forms uh, an electrochemical Electrochemically, it becomes a different compound so silicon lithium oxide of some kind that Um, Of course, when you take the, when you discharge it, it'll go back to being silicon it is, and it'll give it back. But when it goes and combines, silicon just expands, like literally fells up like a balloon. So if you, if you just made a battery, just like how you made the graphite battery and you put it inside a phone, for example, and you charged it. It It would explode. It'll push the back cover off. So it doesn't blow up. It just becomes big. Yeah. So there's a physical problem uh, of that. And no one's been able to make silicon not swell. And that has been the the thing that, uh, and that is the problem over 16 years of research, Inovex figured out how to make silicon swell less than 2%. Well,
0: there you go. So that, so that, that is the big innovation. Did, so did, so did that come, I'm curious, is that something that you guys all did in-house or was that like a partnership with you know colleges or, or others that that had worked on this too or how, how did how did that come about the research it's all
1: you know the founders of this company um you know who I i like i said i've been here about seven months the founders have been there for 16 years um they were, came from ibm and other research places and they worked on it they tried many many different things and uh, finally they came out with this one idea um you know of of um, of of, sol- of solving this silicon swelling problem and uh, when they cracked that idea, when they were able to make the first batteries, that's the when that's when they went public in 2021.
0: So will that effectively make, here, I'm going to hold up a battery. Here's my battery. Ta-da, for nobody can see on the podcast. So, <laughs> like, the battery I have in my hand here will potentially hold six times more power? Or what, how, like, what is the net actual gain of that then?
1: So we are now able to, I mean, so it can continue to get there. I mean, there's still a lot of work to be done to get all the six times, you know, entitled power of silicon but we are able to now get to 50% better. So our first cells, people tell us that we are sampling, say, hey, this works 50% better than the battery I have right now. So we are first able to do that. Now, as we make more progress, so it's not just pure silicon, it's silicon with some other compound that's in there. Now we have to change the electrolyte that does that. We have to change the cathode to be something else. So there's a lot more electrochemistry work to be done to get to this full six times thing you're talking about, we can get to, but we can get to, you know, 50% 50% better now. And that's the excitement in this company.
0: So if, you know, I feel like over the last few years, like every, every couple months, I read some article on the internet about some breakthrough battery technology, be it, um, you know, from something from Tesla or Toyota or uh, solid state battery. seems like there's always like this kind of stuff, but then, you know, we never see it come to market. Right. Or, um, yeah. Do you do you feel like there's a lot of this kind of stuff that's going on going on out there because of electric cars and everything are really pushing all of this, but that's still years, years away before a lot of us are we're gonna see some of this stuff finally get to market? Or what are your what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so so great question. Um, there is a lot of if we actually start doing a little bit of Google search and research on this, you're right. There is a lot of promise and silicon has been promised in you know to be able to solve this problem for many years. And a lot of companies went public with that promise. Um, there's a you know, there's a lot of companies that are actually making different kinds of silicon. Like, for example, some of our competition actually doesn't make batteries, but makes silicon of different kinds. Like, for example, instead of raw silicon, they make some silicon nanoparticles, which the nanoparticles, in- silicon is inside. And they argue the silicon won't swell as much because we have kind of constrained it inside some particle. And there's some other kind of silicon compounds that people have come up with. None of them are actually really in high-volume production in the market. And the main reason is people have been able to take those kind of silicon powders, if you will, and sprinkle them on top of the existing graphite battery to get increased energy density some. But no one's been able to use a 100% silicon active silicon anode uh, in the market. We are the first ones to be able to do that. And okay. that's what the excitement of the company is. And our products, you know, customers using... Our batteries, uh, we have sampled a lot of uh, of these. You know, almost over a hundred customers have these products uh, that they're testing. Uh, we expect them to come to market um, this year. There'll be early stage production. Now we don't have a large factory that can produce these batteries in the millions of uh, units. We're working on that, and our factory that will produce in the millions of units will start next year in Malaysia. We've just secured the funding, and uh, if you look at our company, we've just. Uh, begin begin the manufacturing of the machines that make this battery um, and that'll start in uh, April next year. So hopefully next year and the year after is when you'll see, we hope you should see, you know, a larger volume of inmix batteries in the market.
0: Well, are you, are you able to also just license your intellectual property to, you know, Panasonic or Tesla or somebody like that and they can just reuse it and then you don't have to manufacture it? Is that is that part of the plan too?
1: Yeah, that's absolutely an option. Although that is not our first, um choice right now because we would actually like to make the batteries, we'd like to build the factory, and we'd like to get the premium associated with that because you know it's a truly differentiated technology and we'd like to be able to manufacture it at scale. Now, you know, the market is so big, uh, clearly, you know, licensing to some companies in some of the areas. Like our target market right now is more consumer electronics, which is where I come from, um, like watches, you know, IoT devices, you know, speakers. Headsets, um, smartphones, uh, computers, and so on. Uh, in the auto, there's slightly different uh, requirements uh, in the auto space, and they need much, much bigger factories. So it's very oh, yeah. that we license our technology for those markets, but we'll probably manufacture it for the consumer markets.
0: Yeah, the batteries for one car has to power <laughs> like a thousand cell phones or something, yeah. right? <laughs> so it's uh, is definitely very different. But the so somebody, you know, so, you know, so you're. Expert in the industry, so you know. So somebody like Tesla, as an example, over the last few years, they've made some sort of improvements to this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Like inc- incremental improvements, but but how how were they able to do it without, uh, I guess, changing the graphite? There's other things they've done with the the chemicals and stuff.
1: Yeah, like I said, one possible way is to put a little bit of silicon on top of the graphite, and that'll give you some improvement. You can change the cathode to be something a little bit better, so it holds more. You can change the electrolyte, you know, so that it actually comes better. And graphite itself, there's probably different compounds of graphite you can make. So there's a lot of things you can do to make incrementally better, but not step change.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about potentially like order of magnitude better here, you know, so like. Which is what,
1: which is what the markets need, by the way. I mean, actually there is an interesting blog on my, on my site. If you look, I actually ran some, uh, some experiments. So I had my team run, for example, stable diffusion, which is, you know, everybody talks about AI and stable diffusion and. And everybody feels like that kind of technology will move to the edge that means instead of doing it in the cloud people will want to do it in the computer people will want to do it in the phone because cloud is expensive and it has latency and privacy and all this stuff associated with it you bought an expensive laptop you want to do it there well we found that when you run stable diffusion on a laptop versus running in the cloud it takes like 60 times more battery it just burns through it it's crazy so so we need much better battery uh, to really improve this
0: Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of processing power to run those AI models. And uh, I mean, I, I play uh, Legend of Zelda, the new Zelda game is awesome. And, and you look at a game like that. And I think in the future, you know, I could see making video games like that, which are, they use AI to like completely randomize the game. It's like, you know, every, every person who plays the game has a totally different game, totally different experience and stuff. But it's going to take orders of magnitude, more processing power to do some of those things. So, right.
1: and then we, and the battery has to keep up if you want to have a mobile experience, you know?
0: Yeah. And you, you know, especially for cars and, and potentially flying planes and, or, you know, planes and things like that, you know, having batteries that could have 50%, a hundred percent, you know, more battery capacity is like an absolute game changer. Absolutely. That Absolutely. could be the difference between having an electric airplane or not like just that, could be a huge difference in the future, you know, when we have these sort of breakthroughs in, in the technology that hopefully will will come down the pipe.
1: Yeah, that's, that's that's the exciting part of the company. That's why there's so much excitement in the company. And even though we are pre-revenue, you know, the stock trades pretty well, and there's a lot of excitement in the company, and we're able to raise the money to build the factories. <laughs>
0: Well, I do remind everybody that finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and see what developers are available to join your team today. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. Well, so let's talk about some of the challenges of, of being a CEO. And I imagine, especially in, in your company today, you have like, especially a unique set of challenges, right? Like, like, how do we build a battery factory? Like, that that in itself sounds like a nightmare. Um, so thank you for being the one to figure out how to do that, because I, no, I have no idea where to even start on building a battery factory in Malaysia. Um, so what, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that CEOs have to deal with?
1: Well, I mean, you know, I think, um, you know, in a CEO of every company has its own unique set of challenges. You know, this is... You know, my first time being a CEO of a company, but I ran large divisions in other companies. You know, so I'm kind of familiar with the problems of running large teams and and uh, and generating a lot of revenue and customers and all that. Um, you know, in an early stage company like this, um, you know, I think there's there's a few unique challenges. You know, firstly, you know, we we are. Uh, there's a lot of expectation that the company will do well and make make uh, these phenomenally game-changing batteries, and that's the reason why a lot of our investors are investing in us, and uh, we are traded on the Nasdaq and so on. Um, so one of the one of the key challenges is to is to communicate the vision of the company and communicate the the promise of the technology and uh, the timeline it takes to do that. Um, a lot of people ask the same question you asked, you know. You have so little revenue. How are you public, and how can you, uh, you know, generate uh, that much interest? Uh, in tech, it's not that common, particularly in chips. It's not, not common. Although in things like biotech, it's quite common that companies go public without a product because you need a lot of investment to start to build the product. Um, so, so, so then, then how do you convince the investors that uh, that uh, they should hang in with you and continue to invest for the next few years when the meaningful revenue will come? Um, so one of the key challenges as a CEO is to communicate the vision and communicate the milestones along the way and your ability to hit the milestones and uh, kind of promise a milestone, hit the milestone, promise a milestone, hit a milestone. And as you hit the milestones, you incrementally build more and more con- confidence that, you know, you're on the right track. Um, that's, that's a big part of the challenge, uh, just the whole investor communicate community and communicating. We have a great set of investors. They're very patient and uh, they see the promise of it but I think that's, that's one thing. The well, I think everyone,
0: way, Everybody always wants to know if we're winning or losing. Right. And, and, and most importantly, if, if, if we're losing as leaders, we have to, we have to tell them that so we can ask for their help. Like, Hey, we need your help to overcome whatever these challenges are, because if you, if you just keep everybody in the dark, they can't help either.
1: Yeah. Well said, well said. And you know, and again, there are challenges clearly. I mean, when you're trying to, come up with totally new way of doing things that will you know in some way differentiate and change the world you, you there will be a lot of challenges along the way and it is a long haul so that, so that's the same kind of challenge uh internally you know you have to have all your employees motivated that uh, you know we will we'll win and uh there are a lot of day-to-day problems that come in but ultimately we'll get there I think that's very important uh, the third big one is um you know as a CEO is the ability to take risk um because you know you're not you're not going to be able to get um, to where you want to go if you don't take some calculated risks um, in terms of you know building the factory now. A uh, technology is getting ready, but we have to write big che- big checks for the factory. And people always ask the question, "Hey, what if some problem happens? To the technology with your factory work?" So you kind of have to take some risks that um, the engineers will figure out how to solve these problems when they come. So I think that's a, that's a big part of the job. Um, you know, the other the other the other big um you know challenge and the other big uh, opportunity opportunities to get the whole team pulling in the same direction because as an early stage startup and an early stage company in a public company you get a lot of opportunities. You get opportunities from people saying, hey, I want your battery in cell phone. You get opportunity from people saying, I want your battery in laptops or cars or and they're all slightly different batteries. So you can't just go after all of them. You got to have a clear vision and a go-to-market strategy of which one you do first which one you do next, which one you do third. And you have to get all the teams to be pulling in the same direction consistently. So I am mean, just, yes, you know, some of those probably are the big challenges, you know?
0: Well, and in your case, um, certain, certain types of devices are going to get more value out of, out of your innovation than others. Right. And the the challenges is to some, to some degree in your, in your situation is focus, right? It's like, we can't, we can't build the world's best battery for an airplane and make it right. as light as possible, and a hearing aid, and <laughs> a cell phone, and and it, it is you. It's so hard to do every, every be all things, everybody. Right? You'll just end up failing at all of them because. All of them, all of them. It's and that totally has been different. one of
1: the problems of this company before I came. You know, the early stage startup, great technology, a lot of excitement. They were going after so many things, so I had to clean up a lot of that in the last last seven months and focus the company on a few products and staff them well. There are so many pro- projects that are all a little bit staffed. So I had to kind of, you know, get that focus back to a few things we do well in a, in a gauged manner.
0: So what are the industries that you've see the most success in? It's, you said it's portable electronics is, is the thing you're seeing the most success in?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think anywhere there's a lot of edge computing is probably the area that will be most success. Because when there's a lot of edge compute, they need a better battery. Uh, so smartphones, I think, is a huge market. You know, security 200.
0: cameras, please. Security cameras, are. please.
1: One. Battery operated security cameras.
0: Changing one. those batteries sucks. Right. So exactly. that would be awesome.
1: But, you know, when you solve the problem for something like a cell phone, which is a huge, you know, 1200 million unit platform, you know, it needs to fast charge stay for a long time. You can then quickly get that battery into all the other areas. So, so I'll, yeah. I'll give you a little bit of a contrast. For example, a lot of people talk about EV batteries. And that's a great area, EV batteries, you know, huge TAM, and everybody wants to get into that. One of the challenges, though, is that um, the cost, because, you know, if you look at what's the, what's the price for which you can sell a battery in, a, in an electric vehicle market, for example, and let's just say you said, uh, what's the price you get per watt hour? One simple way to think about it. You'll get less than 10 cents. Now, if you said how much you get in a watch, you get over $2.50. So it's very interesting. Like sometimes the sexiest market may not be the one where you make most money.
0: Yeah, because the the margins are so much more compressed on a car. Um, exactly, exactly. versus like in a hearing aid or something, the battery is so small that the cost of the battery is insignificant almost compared to the whole thing. Yes. yes. You can charge it, much more like per volume than you would on the car. And it provides it a huge
1: and di- makes a huge difference. You know, you're yeah. you're hearing it. You watch last four days. I mean, just think about that. That's pretty nice compared to two days. You know, but in a car, yes, a lot more energy density helps. But you know, charging stations are popping up so close by that people actually care more about fast charge and heating rather right. than... So so. there's those kind of decisions we need to make along the way.
0: So I'm gonna guess you heard about the LK99 superconductor thing. Did you hear about that? No,
1: tell me about it. LK99. So these
0: research research scientists rushed... Uh, so we're recording this, it's the beginning of August. Yeah. Uh, some research scientists, I think it was in Korea, uh, quickly published some... A research paper about a superconductor that supposedly works, that if it works, is like the holy grail of like all electronics. So um for those who are listening you don't know what a superconductor is, it's basically, you know, a new copper wire that can can transfer all the electricity from one end to another without generating heat and without losing electricity on the way. Um, and that's like the holy grail of technology because today all this stuff with electronics generates heat, right? And so if, if we could invent a new type of superconducting metal or, or whatever it would be that would transfer the power, it would also be a giant game changer in electronics. Um, and evidently these guys claim that they did it. And, um, over the last 48 hours, there's been two or three independent labs that have like said, yes, there is giant promise in this technology, um, that think that it could actually, it could actually work. Um, so we'll see. We're like in cutting edge crazy uh, times, but they say it could be like the biggest uh, invention since like the original, like computer transistors were invented. Like <laughs> it's an absolute game changer and would dramatically change what you guys do. Right. And in, in regards to uh, working in electronics. So that'll be, that'll be fascinating. So if you haven't heard about that, you, you should check into it. Look um, it. up. Yeah. I've
1: been a little bit busy the last couple of days with the earnings calls and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, look, I think there'll be lots of innovations in the future. I mean, look, I've been in this business yeah. for thirty years, and I've been seeing so many changes in cameras, and processors, and displays, and and uh, consumer electronics is just a fascinating space, and uh, a lot of innovation there, and it changes people's lives when you provide a great technology like.
0: Well, and that's one of the challenges, right? Is just keeping up with all of the change, you know, and I imagine some of the some of the companies you've worked with before, the projects you've worked worked with before, um you know, industry changes, I imagine along the way had dramatic challenges for some of those companies.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you if you I mean, I, I'll give you an example, you know, I worked on digital cameras for a long time. And, you know, cameras were something that I felt was um, a big thing. And uh, I mean, I still remember working on the very first cell phone camera and telling my boss, hey, I think, you know, people will start putting cameras in phones, we should make a processor for the phones that does pictures. And they were like, are you crazy? Who wants to take pictures of the phone? So, 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 but we still did it anyway. And it was great business. And then, um, you know, I still remember talking about, uh, you know, we should probably put multiple cameras in the phone because, you know, people want Zoom and no, 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 no. one camera is bad enough. Who wants to put more? And today I see like front cameras, back <laughs> cameras. Like,
0: There's like four or five of them. Four or five. Yeah. So
1: it's a game changer. When those kind of things happen, process change, memories change, display changes, you know, battery changes. And you know, so some of those things like have an impact on everything.
0: Yeah. And yeah. one of the uh, first, first mobile app I ever wrote, this was in 2004 was actually for like a uh, Windows CE, like Palm pilots, like compact pilots, like the little PDA <laughs> things. And it was to take pictures of cars for car dealers. <laughs> and we had a one megapixel camera that you could put in it with an SD card um, to take pictures of cars. So car dealers could run around and take pictures of cars. And um, it was be- before the iPhone existed, before Android existed, right, uh, right, right, right. all that. And uh, it-, it was terrible. Like, the, the- you <laughs> could take pictures uh, only if, the like, it was cloudy outside and there wasn't much glare, and then it would right. work. But, but like, we desperately needed that technology right. um, so car dealers could take pictures mobily and easily, you know, do other data entry and upload mm-hmm. it to the internet and whatever. And, yeah, I, I would have been one of the guys, like, begging you to please you know <laughs> please we need better cameras and put them in our phones and let's do this like yeah I would have been that guy begging you for that at that time um yeah, I mean, eventually I,
1: I, I, yeah sorry go ahead
0: eventually somebody like Rico came out with a special camera yeah. that uh allowed data entry in the camera and that was a big thing um yeah it's just amazing how things change
1: yeah I think I think the big one uh, I I think is um really uh, you know, the applications that use AI and and machine learning. I mean, every day I see a new app that does something better than the old app. And, you know, a lot of these problems, which we thought were very tough to solve, were solved by training. And, uh, you know, I mean, like, people don't realize how much machine learning is in a camera app right now. You know, the auto exposure, the auto white balance, auto focus, finding people's faces, you know, detecting scene cuts, you know, doing your reels. You know, all of them are done by AI and ML, and that consumes so much performance. And that's the other interesting thing about phone market for us and for our customers is that they launch a phone today. They don't, they have an idea of what will run on it and they kind of use the battery and process it to that. But three years from now, the stuff on the app store is totally changed. And those apps consume so much more power and so much more performance that uh, it's a constant struggle for our customers and how much battery to put in the phone. Because what they think is needed today is not what's, going to run on the phones people bought three years from now
0: yeah it's like consumer games haven't changed quite as much right like we still play candy crush and solitaire and they're probably not that much different but but then uh the camera stuff you know the the biggest innovation of all and i think in smartphones over the last few years is definitely the camera the cameras are getting better and better and better and you know some people run crazy crazy games on them and stuff but
1: and, you know, some uh, people never, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. Something people never thought about was, I mean, I was involved when we first said, hey, should we put GPS in the phone? And they were like, why would you put GPS of all the things? Well, we didn't know about Uber in those days, but Uber would never happen without GPS. Right. Lyft wouldn't happen. Uber Eats wouldn't happen. So, you know, a lot Pokemon of times-
0: Pokemon Go wouldn't happen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a lot of times you put technology in there that you're not quite sure and then stuff comes yeah. But the problem was when we put GPS, the power draw was, I mean, the radio is consuming battery like crazy. We're going to go so, back to the singular problem. You know?
0: So going back to challenges, um, tell me, tell me about your thoughts around talent and just acquiring talent, you know, as a CEO and, 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 and that aspect of it. it always seems to be one of the biggest problems I feel like as a, as a leader is just talent.
1: Yeah, it, it, it is really tough. Um, you know, I think, um, Particularly, we are in the Bay Area, and it's even tougher here um, just because, uh, you know, there's so much opportunity and cost of living is so high. And uh, and we get we can get really good people, but it's hard to keep them sometimes because, you know, the ecosystem has so many opportunities and people are always looking for the next one. Um, commute is a problem. So there's a lot of issues. Um, but, you know, I, in my career, I found that having mult- geographically distributed uh, sites is a good way to have talent, like and also kind of um, complementary talent. So we just opened our site in India now in Hyderabad, and I've done it a few times, you know, both at TI and Qualcomm and Micron, setting up uh, international sites. And that is something that is hard for startups to do. For a publicly traded company like us, we can attract great talent because you know we can give stock options, which people can sell, um, and they can see the see the you know the the promise of the company. That's why we moved our manufacturing to uh, move. Well, We started a new manufacturing plant in Malaysia because very hard. Our current plant is producing batteries here in Fremont, but it's so hard, so hard to keep that going, very expensive, and hard to get uh, people who work on the factory floor 24-7. So having geographically distributed talent base is very, very key. And, And the other thing I found is, you know, having diverse talent is very important because the ideas that you come up with, you know, Everybody comes with a slightly different twist and slightly different angle. And you're trying to solve these big problems. Having people with different backgrounds, educational backgrounds, you know, cultural backgrounds, geographic backgrounds helps us a lot. Because I sit in meetings and suddenly I come, people come up with these ideas like, how did they think of that? But that is kind of obvious from where they come from and how they think. Uh, so I think that's been a, a really great thing for us is uh, the diversity of the talent pool we have.
0: So like in Fremont, is it hard to even just hire people to do the manufacturing? Like it's just very difficult to find people?
1: It, it is hard, uh, but, you know, we've been successful and kept them for a while, but, you know, we do lose, there is attrition. Um, so we have to continue to keep filling that. And um, and uh, it's expensive. I mean, it's very expensive You know, because people have to live here. It's very expensive. So yeah. that's the other challenge we have. Um yeah it's a it's a constant struggle um manufacturing in the u.s is still very tough
0: well so um being a publicly traded company i'm i'm curious what are the challenges with dealing with that part of it from from your job like is that you know is that a big percentage of your job having to deal with you know sec filings or different public related stuff shareholders like what is is how, how much of, of that is is a headache and a challenge for you
1: yeah, it's, um, it, it's newer to me because I've been doing it only for seven months. Um, but um, I think that's one of those areas where you have to have a really good team. You know, I have a good CFO now who can take care of that. I have a good chief legal officer who does a good job of that. We have some consultants that will help us with that. The company has been public for a couple of years. So we've got the processes worked out now and what we need to do. SEC firing, 10Ks, 8Ks, 10Qs, all that stuff. Um, we have people who do it well. Uh, but I still have to be involved and make sure they're on track and how it is and so on, because ultimately, you're the CEO, you, need, you, you sign off on all those, so you got to be super careful. We have a very good board. You know, the board helps a lot. And I don't know if you guys know T.J. Rogers, you know, kind of a you know, Wall Street and kind of Silicon Valley icon. He's the chairman of the board. He recruited me. He and his team helps quite a bit on that. But it it is, it is quite a bit of work. Uh, but the advantage, there are advantages too. The advantage is the ability to raise capital. Um, you know we can raise capital in the capital markets. And earlier in the year, I did a, I did what is called as a convert where we, you know, um, were able to raise you know 172 million dollars in a week. Um, and you know when you build factories, you got to raise a lot of capital. Yeah. So that part that part is is it, it is good being publicly traded, but it comes with the with the overhead that we have to do and do carefully.
0: So when you raise 170 million dollars like that, are you going to? VCs and stuff like that, getting them to buy you know, into your publicly traded company. But are, I mean, are you still going to do those kinds of investors or how do you do that?
1: Yeah, we see venture capitals typically don't, in, from my, my understanding, don't invest that much in publicly traded companies. We typically talk to institutional investors like large funds that manage- Hedge uh, funds. Hedge funds, long-only funds, a lot of family offices. These are people who invest, buy stocks, you know, sell stocks. A lot of them buy our stock. And stay with us for multiple years because they know over time. So, for example, we are in some of the index funds, um, some of the large index funds. If you buy a, a growth energy index, uh, they will buy our stock. For example, um, so a lot of the money comes from places like that. Um, and we, you know, you know all the big ones. I mean, you talk about you know you know we usually go talk to I don't know Fidelities and Tiro prices and all the big companies, okay. you know, big funds, right? So those are the people we talk to.
0: So when you raise money like that, is it, do they end up buying it just like anybody else would and it drives the price up? Or is it more like a fixed price kind of thing?
1: Yeah, so you, good question. Very good question, actually. There's, 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 there's always people can buy price in the market, stock in the market, but we don't get that cash, right? They just buy it in the market. Right. So we did what is called as a convert. A convert is an interesting instrument. The way it works is um, we get a... Uh, Let's, let's say you wanted $100 million, and you'd go and say, I'm looking for raise $100 million. Um, They'll give it to you as basically a loan, um, let's say 3% interest, much lower than interest in the market. But why are they giving you the lower interest rate? So then we tell them, you have the opportunity to, in four or five years, we'll keep we'll paying interest and we'll give you back that money. Or you can, we'll guarantee you can buy our stock at this price. So let's say the stock my stock was trading at 10 bucks. I tell them, "Give me 100 million dollars, I'll give you three percent interest, but if the stock goes to 20, you can convert this 100 million into shares at 15.
0: So you get a type of stock option or warrant?: that's exactly, basically.
1: exactly.: Exactly. So that's, that's something that helps a lot. So when we did the convert um, earlier in the year a few months ago, I think the stock was trading at 11, and now it's trading close to 19 or 20. So, all those converts are in the money, and all the ministers are happy. So, next time I want to do another convert, they'll say, Okay, last time it worked out. So, we'll do more money. So, those kind of instruments are not open when you're not a public company. And that's something that helps.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. Well, um, you talked earlier about how hard it is to hire software developers and hire them around the world. Uh, if you need help, Full Scale can help. We have a team of 300 plus developers in the Philippines. Wow. That's what we do. Um, when you visit fullscale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and let our platform, uh, use a little bit of AI and, uh, match you up with our developers that are available to join your team. Please visit fullscale.io to learn more. Uh, that's, that's what my, my company does. Um, one of my companies. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, as we round out the show, I'm curious if you have any, you know, final tips or suggestions for other entrepreneurs out there.
1: Yeah, my, my main, my main, uh, my main you, know, you know, advice is I've been doing this for a while. Um, persistence pace and uh, just uh, stick to it and have a, have a singular vision and uh, take a few calculated risks. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, if you stick to it long enough and you have a singular vision and you hire the right people, um, the chances of success are pretty high. And it's super exciting and have fun along the way because these are tough jobs. And if you don't enjoy what you're doing, it's really tough to, you know, last, the last, a long haul as I've been doing it, you know, for 30 some years and I, and I plan to keep doing it.
0: You have to enjoy the journey. That's for sure. Well, everybody, this has been Dr. Raj Taluri. Um, he is the president and CEO of innovix Um, you can check them out at E N O V I X.com. Um, they're publicly traded as, as we talked about earlier as well. Uh, super exciting technology you guys are working on. Um, I'm hoping to see it in my, uh, security cameras that so i don't have to change the battery so much i'm hoping to see it in my my phone so hopefully over the next year or two uh hopefully you guys will get that all ramped up and um i wish you guys all the best it sounds very exciting so
1: thank you so much matt thank you for having me on your show and uh really enjoy your show i watched quite a few of them i just watched the robot and ai one that was super exciting but uh thank you for having us
0: yeah all right thank you so much Uh